With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and with Rohan nursing a birthday hangover and um, Chris Herring off being a literal professor teaching literal students, I'm joined today by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Jeremy Wu. Wu? How are you doing today, my man? Good. You know, I've been on the practice squad for a couple of weeks, just waiting for my, <laughs> just to come back on the pod. You know, I'm just, uh, it's, it's been a long time. I don't know if I've been on here since the Gulliver era. Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. So uh, it's always, always nice to be, be back. We refer, we, we call those the dark days. I am, of course, kidding. Shout out to Ben Gulliver, if you're listening. Um so as promised, uh, we are going to break down the top 30 players from Sports Illustrated's top 100 list, um, a project that you will basically were the captain of, so shout out to you. Um, but first, a quick reminder to get your emails in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, the season is right around the corner. Training camp's open next week, and there's so much to discuss. We cannot wait to dig into all of your wonderful questions. And the ones you all sent in over the last couple of days were terrific. And we're actually going to start uh, with one from Courtney, who writes in, uh, Nice work with the top 100 to 31 pod. Instead of focusing on snubs, I'd like to look forward Look towards the future. Which rookies will be on next year's top 100? Which players will move back up into the top 100? I'm a Warriors guy and have been since the 1970s. Who do you think is most likely to make it into the top 100 next year? Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman, or Poole? Also, I said I wasn't going to focus on the snubs, but I personally think the biggest snub was Reggie Jackson. You may have been brainwashed by the former open floor regime in the Jazz Series. He was the fourth best guy out there ahead of top 100 players like Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, and Avitsa Zubats. Talk about delivering in the last three minutes of a playoff game reliably. Happy trails, Courtney. Courtney, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Woo, uh, there's a specific reason I wanted to start here. Uh, you are... Our resident draft expert, you know way more about the incoming rookie class than I do, or basically 99.99% of the population. So before we kind of dive into this year's list, I kind of wanted to, to, to quickly kind of pick your brain here via Courtney's question. So which rookies would you have, which rookies do you think will, will be on the top 100 next year? And, you know, if you, if we included any rookies, um, on this list, which we didn't intentionally, would would there be any that you think are just already better than guys in the league right now? Yeah, that's that's always such a tough question, uh, which is obviously why we we don't try to jump the gun ranking rookies. That's something that Ben and Rob did, which we just kind of mm -hmm. decided was easier to say we agree with this. <laughs> so um, I, I think like from for me, 
I mean, look, this year we had three second year guys in the top 100, right? We have LaMelo, we have uh, Anthony Edwards, and we have Halliburton. So then, mm-hmm. you know, if that's kind of a baseline for what you would have to do as a rookie, thinking about it like that, uh, I mean, I think obviously Cade Cunningham is a good has a good chance to make the list in some capacity next year. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like because his game is so predicated on like having talent to like make better around him. And that's kind of like, it's an intangible thing with him. And I I don't know exactly what Detroit's going to look like yet. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I do, I can see him making it on for sure. Um, If he has a good year, I don't think it'll be hard. I think it'll be hard to keep him off. Uh, Jalen Green, you know, you worry about efficiency and whatnot, but then if, you know, we had the same conversation about Anthony Edwards and he ended the year on a hot streak and clearly he deserved to be on the list in, in right. some capacity. Right. So, you know, if you use that just as like a basic analog for like a guy with a quick learning curve, who's a really athletic, uh, talented scorer, I think Jalen Green is in that conversation. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs probably has a chance. Uh, I would expect him to be pretty productive and have a shot at rookie of the year just because of the way he plays every night. Orlando's not going to be very good, but I think the production with Suggs will probably be there uh, to where maybe he gets consideration. Um, and then, you know, Evan Mobley, hard to say just because I don't fully know what Cleveland is going to do with all those bigs. Like if Evan is only playing 20 to 25 minutes a game, you know, I guess it kind of depends more on how these guys finish the year. Typically with these young guys, we don't, we judge mm-hmm. one, I think on second half and first, but you know, Mobley for sure has a chance. I would expect him to be on the list someday. Um, it could be, it could happen really fast. It could take a year or two. I don't know. Um, but, but as far as rookies, I mean, like in the short term, that's probably who I'd focus on. Cause we could open this up, but you know, we could open up this conversation as much as we want, you know, the watch list will have more names on it. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, those are probably the guys who I'd be most like, I think Scotty Barnes is more of like a long-term bet. Kaminga feels like a couple years away. Um, you know, Davion Mitchell, was like I, I almost included him on the watch list. I didn't just because of the minutes thing. I feel like he's more of like a two year, three year away guy if he becomes a really good role player. But uh, you know, it, it's hard, and it's always hard having this this dialogue, especially with with the watch list because we're not just talking about rookies. You know, we're also expanding it to include the second and third year guys. So, mm-hmm. um, but and then what? Uh, with the Warriors guys, what, what, what do you think? I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit too close sometimes to like perceive the whole elephant so to speak right that's the saying like you um you you can't i'm sometimes too close and i my preconceived notions about these guys sometimes bleed into what they're doing in the nba so i I don't know what do you you think well jordan pool in my opinion is like the second coming of michael jordan so i'm I'm, i really like jordan pool i've been on the record with that for a while and this season especially with um Clay, he's gonna you know take some time to get back. I think there's an opportunity for Poole to kind of up his usage, up his role with that team, and I think they're gonna be good. So that's the one guy who I'm like, okay, I can see him. I think he was actually when I was making my own list, he was initially on it, and then I had to kind of scratch him off of it because it just didn't make any sense. Even me, <laughs> the huge, the biggest uh, Jordan Poole fan in the world. Um, yeah, everybody else, I, I don't think so. Unfortunately, maybe I mean you know Wiseman is a the number two pick last year, but uh, really tough to say he's going to jump into the top 100 this season. So it's not looking good for those guys. Yeah. And like the hard part about this is always like, you know, we can always get excited about players. And if you're a fan of a team, it's, it's right for, you know, rightfully you should be excited about a player, but it always comes down to, you know, who would you rather take over this guy? And, it, you know, with Jordan pool, you know, I have never been a huge fan. He's gotten better for sure. Uh, but if it comes down to, I and mean, we're going through the guys, so even just we had in the nineties of our list, it's like, would I take him over any of those guys? No. And would I, could I see myself wanting him more than those guys like in a year? Probably not. Just again, this is development is not linear. We do not know, uh, but it's, sure. just, it's always tough to, you know, frame it like that, that way. Yeah. So, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and, you know, we're going to, break down the top 10, which I think is the juiciest part of the list, of course, um, in a second. But before we do that, I'm curious, when you first saw everyone else's list, like we all submitted as we, Rohan and I kind of described in an episode earlier this week, we all submitted our top 100s and then sort of aggregated everything and, and, and averaged it out that way. But when you saw all of our individual lists, was there a particular player um, that one of us had ranked either too high or too low that just made you kind of um, just face plant and just think about quitting your job, quitting your profession, just absolute lunacy. 
Oh man, that's rough. Uh, you know, when you had you had Terry Rozier at forty eight, that was tough, tough for me to swallow. Um, Absolutely, baby. Was... <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't know. I I think I think generally we did a pretty good job because the way that we did it worked out so that if one of us was like way high on a player, uh, it mm-hmm. kind of corrected. Like for example, like I I put like Gallinari at like seventy, and Karen's like, "Yo, man!" Like, and I was like, <laughs> he gave me <laughs> the talk, and I was like, "All right, all right, fine." Uh, so because you know for me it was it was different because when I was doing this, I was also working on you know last year. Uh, you know, I did most of the work on the list just in terms of like the order for us. So right. I was kind of working off what I did last year and it was harder for me to like slash guys completely rather than move them up or down. So like that was one thing for me. Uh, I, yeah, Chris had Wiggins kind of high. I won't say exactly where he had him, uh, but it, I was like, what? No, it's, it, we're going to, you know, when I answer this question, I'm going to come at Chris and it's okay. We're all friends here. Um, so I'm, I, I'll, I'll, if you want me to. Be the guy who has to throw him under the bus. I, I, I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, I'm trying was, to see where, where. That was one. He had him at 59. Oh, yeah, that is pretty high. Shout out to you, Chris. Chris's yeah. list was great. I really enjoyed he, it, honestly. He probably had the best list. Definitely the best one. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that because I'm roasting him right now. But. <laughs> I know. So, um, you know, I know that Chris is not here to defend himself. So we're going to move off this uh, yeah. very quickly. Um, he's doing way more important things with his life, teaching the youth. Um, but he also had, uh, Jason Tatum ranked at 11 and Anthony Davis ranked at 12, which, uh, all of our listeners will know that, you know, I think that that's just incredible stuff. I I personally did not have uh, Tatum ahead of Anthony Davis. Um, woo, I believe that Tatum is your favorite player of all time. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, well, I mean, I still had him 15. <laughs> I still had him 15 on our list. I was just lower on him marginally, very marginally than the rest of you guys. But I think I just have a bad taste in my mouth from watching him on Team USA, uh, which is not what this exercise is about. So, yeah. Um, so let's let's ju- let's jump to uh, let's jump to this email from Lucas actually that touches on a really interesting aspect of the list and kind of gets us into the top 10 a little bit. Uh, so Lucas writes in. Um, Hey guys, great episode as always. I am curious to see where in your top 30 you have my guy, Daniel Tice. I guess he's top 10, but we'll see. Um, I hate to break it to you, Lucas, but Tice did not make the list. Uh, Lucas continues, I'm also curious about where you have Kawhi Leonard. At first, I was a little shocked at how how low you had Jamal Murray, but the explanation is reasonable. The same explanation should actually apply to Kawhi, and I'm curious to see how much he has fallen but I still think he has to be top 10. Keep up the great work. Uh, so the injured players conversation, I want to just dive into that um, in, a, in, a, in a second. Um, but I feel like also this is a really good spot to just list the top 10. And then we can kind of talk about how we factored in injuries. Uh, so I'm just going to read them really quick. We had number 10 was actually Kawhi Leonard, 9 Anthony Davis, then Joel Embiid, James Harden, Luka, Jokic, Steph Curry, LeBron James at three, Giannis at two, and KD at one. So I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like our top 10 is just immaculate and that the only possible point of contention really is putting Kawhi in the top 10 ahead of, you know, um, Dame, who came in at 11, I believe, or Paul George, uh, especially because they're teammates and one of them is going to play this year and one isn't. Um can you just sort of walk me through just your thought process when you had to kind of factor in Kawhi? Because obviously he's got the torn ACL. We don't know if he's going to play a second this season. We don't know if he's going to play, um, you know, two months this season. So just what was the thought process there for you when you were trying to kind of factor him into things? Yeah, that was, Kawhi was one of the really difficult guys to place. And I, I remember we, you know, we all, that was one of the first things I think we talked about on our calls was like, how do we treat this? Because... I think I like hedged with my ranking. Like I had him outside the top 10, but I felt weird about it. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we talked about it and it's like, well, really? And, and you didn't rank him at all, which was like, cause we didn't know what to do. Uh, and right. I think, the, I think we ultimately settled on, we either have to not rank him at all, or we have to rank him. And if we do rank him, then he has to be in the top 10, but we can't really put him any higher than 10. But if, because if he does play, even if it's like just at the end of the year, uh, you know, still super valuable. He's still, you know, a healthy Kawhi is probably for, for me would be uh, probably like four, five, six. Uh, so, 
Um, yeah, no, that's the whole thing with injuries. We don't we don't know, and you know teams don't know either that they can hope. Uh, you know, Kawhi probably doesn't even know for sure when he's coming back right now, right? It's 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 uh, September, so uh, mm-hmm. you know we just. I think you just hope it's as respectable as possible. I mean, like I felt a little weird about, you know, if we're talking about the injured guys and we had Jamal Murray at 49, I probably would have maybe put him a little higher than that if it were up to me, but ultimately it wasn't, it was pretty marginal. Like people got the idea, I hope of why that happened. Um, Like I would still take him over Fred Van Vliet and Brogdon. Uh, But you know, it's hard to like treat all these things as like equal situations. Right. Right. And if Jamal was 100% healthy, I think, well, if he was 100 percent healthy, maybe the Nuggets are like the champions. So <laughs> that, that would too totally yeah. it would just be really weird and trying to figure everything out. But yeah, I think he's like a top 30 player almost easily if 100 percent healthy. I am a huge fan of his game and particularly just how like impactful he's been in the playoffs. Um, but I couldn't get there because of the injury, and I just felt like that would be kind of unfair to some other guys. But top fifty is—he just—you can't if you're going to do this and you're going to have him there. You can't have him below fifty. I feel like so. I think we were fair there. Um, and then my thought process with Kawhi, like if Kawhi was healthy, you could say the same thing. I think the Clippers probably would have won the title. And so leaving him out of the top three, top four, would you say like four, five, six? Like yeah, it's. You can't do that. So if you're going to have him on this list at all, I feel like it would just be wild to have him outside the top 10. So putting him at 10, I feel like it was right. It was the right thing to do, putting him ahead of, of Dame. And, um, you know, there's all these other great players that that were um, that followed right there. But Kawhi's just, I mean, in the playoffs against the Mavs, he, he was just like, he was insane. He's just such a great player. Um, and just so wildly efficient. So, yeah, I, I feel like number 10 is pretty good spot for Kawhi for us. Um, we didn't really, we or I should say we haven't, you know, the list, this is, we're recording this on a Thursday, and we haven't really seen much pushback at all in the top 10 uh, yet. But we have seen a little bit of pushback in other spots on our list. Um, so I'm just curious, Woo. Looking at your mentions or any other, you know, type of feedback that you saw over the past few days, what's just the number one thing people think we screwed up that uh, we, in fact, did not screw up? And you can <laughs> you can <laughs> extend, you know, beyond the top thirty for this because uh, there's been there's been quite a bit of criticism. Oh man, um, you know, it's hard to pick and choose. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, definitely the the loudest faction of, of uh, fans have been the Knicks fans uh, and uh, the absence of RJ Barrett. Uh, and it's a good mm-hmm. thing that I recently moved out of New York and I'm in witness protection. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really, you know, and I, I detailed this a little bit more in the watch list. He did make the watch list. People were also like, why didn't he make the snubs list? I'll just clarify if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering that, like, we just did it arbitrarily so that the watch list was players first, second, third year, and snubs was like older guys who had kind of had to mm-hmm. like explain the decline. I, I thought that made the most sense, so that's why we did it. It's not like it's any less of an honor, or it's not really anything. It's just <laughs> very right. arbitrary. So anyway, with with RJ, you know, I just I've watched him play for such a long time, and I he got a lot better last year. His shot, like, I mean, I, you know, he shot forty percent from three, which he had he had never been a great shooter ever uh, in his career, and. I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I thought he was going to shoot 40% from three again this year, but I you know, do think it's enough that he's respectable now uh, where you do have to kind of at least play him, close out on him. He's, he can shoot the corner three. That's a big addition to his game. So, like, I'll preface this with that. Um, but I think, I think the issues are still there, and I think, you know, you have to just kind of – I always think – and this is something I've just, like, learned over the years with with volume scorers, guys who are just, like, you know, really – thrive with the ball. Most of their value comes when they have the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of have to judge those guys on a different curve um, because it, it's just like the, in the NBA, the amount of efficiency and quickness uh, with which you have to process uh, and making decisions when you have them all, all the time, it's just a much higher bar. And like, I think, I think the biggest thing that stood out for me, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I looked and it was just like the distribution of his shots. It's like he, he took a lot of jumpers. I think the second thing he did the most was was attack the basket, which which checks out. You know, he always kind of 
was that type of player wanted to go downhill. I think there's this perception that he's like a super skilled, like creative scorer. And he just, he never has been that. He was always more of right. to me, a bully ball guy. And I watched him a lot in high school. I watched him a lot at Duke. Um, this is not so much saying he's bad. It's just, that's how he's always played. Right. So uh, I, I believe he, I mean, you know, there are different numbers that you can look at, but whatever, but you know, synergies right what I looked at for this. Uh, I glanced at it and he was not, did not rate out well in terms of scoring around the basket. I think he was like 46%, which is not great, uh, you know, in the paint. Right. Uh, and again, over the, over time, I think some of those will turn into fouls. He'll start to get more efficient there, but it's just like when you're constantly going to the basket and you're pounding the ball and you're not converting at an extremely high rate at the rim, uh, you then it raises the question of, you know, how, how, how could your shot distribution be better? Uh, and is there a more efficient way to be getting these numbers, right? Because points are points. Like to me, points are the least valuable unless you're a very high end scorer, like points are the least important thing to me, especially when I'm scouting college players It's kind of, you know, I, I look for other stuff because 95% of NBA players are going to have to do other things. So anyway, that's right. kind of a tangent, but you know, that's kind of where personally I landed with Barrett, you know, you, I'll, I'll protect you. You know, you had him ranked, uh, Herring had him on the list. You, know, you guys had him in the top hundred. Um, but uh, for me, I feel like I need to see a little bit more progression just in terms of how he, his style of play. And it, we might see that this year because, you know, they, they went and got Kemba Walker. Uh, they went and got Fournier. There's going to be a lot right. less pressure on him to create offense. I think he'll probably attack, get more chances to, you know, more open shots and also, uh, you know, ability to attack defenses once the, the play is rotated. Like if he catches it on the weak side and it's swung back to him, like I think he can do that. So like all he has to do really to make the list is just kind of, make those adjustments. And I, I, I personally think it was fair to say, let's wait one more year. Um, so that, that was sort of how I felt about it. I think that's fair for me. Um, and like you look at his two point shooting, um, numbers that you just kind of laid out and he just wasn't efficient in those areas. And if you're really just looking at him from, um, what he did behind the three point line. And as you also said, uh, that might have been an outlier there. So we don't know. And so it's kind of wait and see. And maybe he'll look, make us look foolish this year. And that's fine. Uh, but, you know, I'm fine. I was fine with us leaving him off the list, particularly when we had there were other players who all of us sort of agreed were in the top 100. So if one of us didn't or two of us didn't, then that player just wasn't going to make it. And that's how we did it. And I thought that that was the fairest um, way to look at it. Um, I really quickly wanted to. Uh, shout out our own sp- social team uh, for their hard work <laughs> promoting the list and, and breaking it down. It's always appreciated. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. 
Carmelo Anthony was someone we were called out for not including, and I, I, I honestly just I, I, I don't have a lot to say here. I didn't spend two seconds considering him for the list. I don't know about you. Wu, did you were you were you painfully kind of going through his his shot chart last year and wondering if maybe he deserved a spot? No, I, I did not. I did not lose sleep over over Carmelo this year. Uh, you know, as, as as sad as it is, uh, watching our favorite players decline over time, it does happen. I mean, and there, he's not the only good, really good player who is we had to leave off. I mean, it's we we didn't include John Wall. We don't know what he's going to do. Does he land another team? Could he have a good year? Yeah, but this is Carmelo. He's like approaching forty. You know, we got it. You know, it's a it's a list of a hundred. You know, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a cut line. There's a cut line somewhere, and. I, I I think we know what he is, and I don't think we need to like go into this discussion for much longer than this. Right. So I want to I want to now talk about um, no disrespect to what we just said, but I guess like more um, criticism that we might actually agree with that we've seen out there. And so one example I have uh, my buddy Ricky O'Donnell, uh, a Chicago legend in That's his right. own right. He let me he he let me know on Twitter that. Uh, us putting Jalen Brown over Zach Levine was a humongous um, mistake and that we will re- regret it for the rest of our lives. Shout out to you, Ricky. Um, Levine came in at 29 on our list. Jalen Brown came in at 27. I believe Drew Holiday was the guy in the middle there between those two. Yes. Um, you had Levine at 34 on your initial list, which was lower than all of us. Um, Herring had him at 21, which was higher than all of us. And I think Rohan and I were kind of in the middle there. But just what was your ras- rationale for kind of um, where you put Zach Levine on this list? Because he's obviously he's coming off of an incredibly efficient season, made an all-star team, was on Team USA really good there, I guess. Uh, made some strides defensively. The team was still pretty bad, though. Um, but just what were you thinking with, with Zach and trying to rank him? Yeah, honestly, you know, I will say like the more that I think about it, I think I was probably too low with him. And that was one of the ones where when we kind of all talked about it, I was like, oh, yeah, like he should be higher. Like, I don't know if I just have a blind spot for for Chicago uh, for whatever reason, uh, even though I now live here again. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he was really good last year. And I think, you know, part of it was, you know, last year I was way too low on him. So I felt bad because I screwed that up. So then I tried to put him higher, but then I didn't realize how much higher you guys were going to put him because like, let's be honest. Like I, you know, during the year, I, you guys probably watch more of the NBA than I do. You know, I'm, I'm able to watch, but I'm also, I have to watch a lot of college basketball. I have to watch high school basketball. I'm kind of doing, you know, all different things. So mm-hmm. I think, I think I probably didn't fully understand how much better he got last year. So, you know, I think, I think where we ended up with him is fine. Uh, I think he's in the right like tier of players. I think you could have argued him, you know, probably 24, 25, 26. Uh, but I think, you know, again, a lot of this just comes down to the winning aspect, which does matter, particularly if you are, you know, the the go-to guy. But, yeah, he, again, he's so efficient. He might keep, he could keep getting better. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he rises more next year. Uh, but he, I mean, he's just a player who I've done a 180 on just generally, uh, just watching the way he's, he's sort of adjusted in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't think of him being in that, like, Devin Booker, uh, Donovan Mitchell, I'm trying to think of some other guys in that class who are just like that, that type of player, Um, like young, high-volume, high-usage scorers who are actually pretty efficient. Um, I still don't – like, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Zach Levine's, but I still don't really – put him there with those two or like even a Jamal Murray, honestly, which might sound sacrilegious coming off the season that Levine just had. But yeah, I just, there's just a little bit of a stink on him because of um, how the Bulls played. And, you know, they go out and get Vucevic last year. There wasn't a lot of success after that trade. A little underwhelming, as you can probably attest to being a Chicago resident. Uh, and this year's going to be huge. Uh, obviously, he's kind of the cream of the crop of the free agency class, number one. Number two, they bring in DeRozan. They bring in Lonzo Ball. Like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know what that says about Zach Levine, to be honest. I think that this is a big year for him. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I, I do think that they believe in him. And, and I think, you know, part of why you saw them do those things is because they realized how good he could be. And they, I think yeah, Bulls absolutely. probably knew they had to signal to him, like, we're in this uh and we're doing this the right way and you know you're not gonna have to 
you're, we're going to get you help. Right. I mean, I think that was probably the, the impetus behind it. So you know, we'll see if it works. I'm, I'm fascinated to see, to go to some of the, some of those games, but again, his, his efficiency is really uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, all things considered last year and, and also the volume with which he, uh, you know, did it. So, you know, uh, I always, the other thing to keep in uh, in mind is, you know, how minutes inflate some of like the secondary counting stats, rebounds, assists, you know, um, I don't sure. like, you know, he averaged almost five assists, but is that going suddenly going to be like a great passer? Probably not. Uh, but, uh, it's, but it is a reflection of, you know, how often he's on the floor, the type of minutes he's earned and also the type of usage he's earned, you know, having the ball in his hands. So, so a listener named Brian also reached out to me to say that, uh, shortly before we recorded, actually, that ha- us having Jalen, um, over, there's a lot of Jalen hate. Uh, us having Jalen over Drew Holiday was sacrilegious. Um, I personally disagree with that. I think Jalen was fine where he was, but just what what do you what are your thoughts on us having um, Jalen ahead of Drew? Yeah, well, I, I had Drew. I'm looking at my list. I had Drew 25, and I had Jalen 30. So I was on the the other end of that. Um, and uh, again, it, it's just it's so I understand why we landed there, and I was. Ultimately, I was comfortable with it just because I think uh, part of the exercise being, you know, let's take players and try to imagine them in like a neutral context. Uh, I think, you know, there's a much better chance of, of Jalen being able to be like a number one scorer, um, you know, were he not on the Celtics, right? Like he could put him on Orlando or something and he'd probably have, you know, be able to have a Zach Levine type, maybe not efficiency, but like point totals, right? So like, you know, you right. factor that into account. Drew everywhere he goes is pretty much true, right? And that's can be really, really good, uh, especially if you know he was a missing piece, obviously for Milwaukee, um, because they, mm-hmm. you know, he did what he did in New Orleans, but he had uh, you know more help. He didn't have to, you know, make as many decisions with the ball. He was able to be more of like the secondary tertiary playmaker, and that was perfect for him. And he can focus on playing defense, and I think that's the role that he likes too. Um, you know, I think where in the past where he can be frustrating is when he has the ball a little bit too much, uh, but. Uh, again, we're projecting out here, and uh, you know Jalen Brown. I mean, he's still only 24. Has really, you know, started to show. Like, a, I mean, I thought last year he made a big leap personally. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have any problem with what we where we landed with it. Where it's just like you, you think that maybe there's a little bit more like leap potential in him, whereas Drew is just kind of going to be Drew, which is fine and it, it, great for Milwaukee. But for the purpose of this exercise, it's it's all splitting hairs, right? And it's it's tough. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I feel like we've had this type of conversation a billion times, and it's, it's, we have. it's, never, it's never conclusive. I just want to say also for the record that I, I'm looking at the list now that I put together, and I actually had Drew Holiday at 26, and I had Jalen at 27. So I just want to get that out there. Um, I didn't even realize that I, I did that, which just kind of speaks to, to the fluidity of this entire exercise, where I said this on our last episode, but I'll... Like I looked at my list right before I recorded with Rohan earlier this week, and I was like, "What idiot put this together?" <laughs> so it's like <laughs> certain players that I was just like, I, "I don't agree with myself." There, I don't know what I was thinking at that in that moment, which is pretty funny. Um, another player I want to talk about real briefly is uh, Trey Young, who we ranked ahead of Kyrie Irving, and we ranked ahead of Chris Paul, and I think. A, a good reason or a good chunk for the to explain why we did that was I had Trey at 14 on my list which was higher than everybody and uh you had him at 21 so um you also had CP at 13 so um just what are your thoughts on you know us having Trey as high as we I should maybe I should I be answering my own question right now cuz maybe maybe, maybe no I mean like I think Honestly, I was like happy with where where we landed. Like, I I, honestly I, I think I was too. Yeah, I forgot that I put Chris Paul that high, and I think I just didn't think about the regression factor or whatever. Like, I, I think people also overestimate how like married we are to our list. It's like that's why we do this as a group because uh, I think we ultimately land in a better place. Um, yeah, but I but I think sure. I, I'd say the argument like if we're talking about those three guys, I mean, I, I just think Trey's passing uh, makes him. Even you know, as as good of a scorer and as uh, you know, proven as, as Kyrie is at those things, uh, I think Trey continues to get better. Uh, and I, to, to me, passing is just such a big element of of guard play, uh, as it should be. 
Um, and, you know, I know Trey has a lot of turnovers, but he has the ball a lot. And I think it'll eventually go down. But if you, I just don't think if you had put the other guys in Atlanta, they would have had as much success in Chris Paul as well, just because the style they played was so predicated on Trey being able to, you know, play in transition and fire threes and pass the ball the way he passes it. And because, you know, the other guys they have are not creative players. None of them are. Uh, and it's really unusual to have a team with that much talent, but only one real true creative player and to have as much success as they did. And it's, I think it's a testament to him uh, and how, you know, creative he can be with the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Chris Paul had an amazing year, um, probably had a little bit more, I mean, at least equally good, probably a better supporting cast, certainly a better number two and number three with, with DeAndre and, and uh, Booker. Right. Uh, but they also, you know, in crunch time, they played the Chris Paul style, which is we're going to, you know, have a measured possession and we're going to make the right play. Uh, and you can win that way. But if you put Chris Paul in the Hawks, I don't know if it would have gone quite as well as it did for Atlanta. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I could, that could be, that could be wrong. I'm just, you know, going off the top. I don't, what do you think? What do you think? Like of those two guys, if you swapped them, man, that's a great question. Right. Um, I mean, it's funny. Like, I don't think either, t- I think both teams would be worse actually. Like, I, agree. I think yeah. that, and they're where they are for a reason um i love trey for all the reasons that you outlined i think that defense was such a big question mark for him um heading into the postseason and i'm not gonna say that he's drew holiday or anything like that but i thought he held up really well when they tried to attack him um not perfectly but well enough for them to advance um and win two series without home court advantage and the way he was <clears throat> the focal point of, or just like the number one thing that the Knicks defense, the Bucks defense, the Sixers, de- these are the like three of the five best mm-hmm. defenses in the NBA last season. And they, all of them were just like, we have to stop Trey. And really none of them could stop Trey. <laughs> um, so he's remarkable. Um, he's an absolute blur. He led the entire NBA and made free throws last season. And I know that that is going to be uh really interesting this year for him as he kind of adjusts to how the refs call him and 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 officiate some of the things that he does on the court but yeah I'm I'm like a humongous fan of his game and uh like I think he can easily be one of the best if not the best point guard in point guards in the entire NBA um very very soon and if you just look at I know we're not supposed to kind of factor in situation but the fact that he's one of those he's one of the very few if not the only just like all nba caliber players who's the only all nba caliber player on his team on a team that's very good and um you know could finish with one of the top 3 records in the east this regular season i can't really think of anybody else who's like that maybe jokic out west mm-hmm. but and he just won mvp so so yeah i'm a, i'm a huge fan of trays and you know, uh, I think that with CP, who's obviously tremendous and still one of the best to do it, with me, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm factoring in regression quite a bit. And he played a ton of minutes last year. He was healthy last year. Their whole team was healthy last year. I, I think that you got to kind of wonder if that's going to repeat itself going forward, just given how old he really is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really fair point. You know, the, the playoff minutes time and again it's tough like i think that's you know it's hard to quantify i'm sure there are people who have researched this who are not me but um yeah i i think it's totally fair and i i think where we landed is is fine like i don't think chris paul is gonna like fall off the face of the earth but um and you know could the suns go back to the finals maybe uh but like will he repeat the year that he maybe. had in all facets <laughs> you know i don't i don't know but again one spot apart is really it seems like a lot when we're like oh here's two guys let's have a fight about who's better but like really it's like not that far off at all no right? and that's one of the funny <laughs> the funniest the funniest parts of this entire exercise when we're breaking it down it's like you could flip like where do we have i'm looking at the list right now we had like um donovan mitchell at 24 and like the difference between Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie and Trey and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal is like not nine or eight or seven spots, really. If you think about it, it's just that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. Everybody's got to get ranked somewhere. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Um, which brings us to this really fun email from Drew that kind of um, spawned a question in my head that I can't wait to ask you. Uh, Drew writes, hey guys, massive Pels fan here. If you were to ask my girlfriend what her biggest complaint about me is, it'd be that I don't miss a minute of Pels basketball. <laughs> I hate to say it, my stomach is churning right now, but the national media overrates Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Yes, that's right, Pels fan here, and you are overrating my favorite players. Both fans and media rank players too much on what they're capable of rather than what their actual value is, as if lack of defense is a cute flaw rather than half the game. Now, for the absolute all-time offensive players, offensive impact is more important than defense. When James Harden's negatively impacting his team's defensive rating by three points, but tacking on nine to the offensive rating, he's still all-time. But Zion is not there yet, and B.I. definitely is not there yet. Uh, Most of what they have going on on offense, uh, they give up on defense. Um, When Brandon Ingram plays some D, let's put him in the top 35. When Zion plays some D, let's put him top 15, but not yet. Thanks, and still great, great work, Drew. Uh, Drew, thank you so much. Um, This was a terrific email, and it it, it blends and dovetails really nicely with uh, a question that I want to ask Wu right now, which is, uh, which player in the top 30 do you think is most likely going to make us look like huge idiots when we go back and look at this list six months from now, and I I ask that and I and I, I marry that to Zion in particular because I wrote the blurb for Zion and um, Zion was the player that we argued about I think the most throughout this process, and I started it by saying Zion is going to make us look like idiots <laughs> for putting him <laughs> at number twenty. <laughs> so I'm obviously way higher on Zion. Um, and maybe not, maybe way is, is like too dramatic because I'm looking at the list right now, and you guys weren't that far behind me, but I was just really pushing for him to go higher and higher as we were talking about him. Um, but do you want to talk about Zion first, or do you want to kind of answer the question of who do you think is just most likely to make us look like the biggest idiots, either because we rank them too high or too low? Oh man, you know I I do kind of agree that he he's kind of the most, and I mean maybe it can go both ways, right? But like assuming health, I think. I think I think we can talk about about Zion. Like, uh, I would not say I am low on him. I, I I think just the way that I rank, I tend to be like a little bit more like slow playing with with these guys with the uh, you know the development they made. But uh, you know, right. just referring to the email, uh, you know, when you're an absolute all time offensive player, well, I think Zion might be, <laughs> and he's on track to yeah, be certainly. Yeah, like, I, I think so. Uh, the stuff he's doing is just totally like 
I, I'm trying to restrain myself from swearing on the podcast, but he it just it's just like it's it's crazy. Uh, it's uh, just things that you don't see, and you know, obviously, I watched him very closely in college and whatnot uh, throughout his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, we had him at twenty. I mean, I could see him. I mean, do you think, I, I don't know how I can really jump because again, the defense, it, it's a very valid point at the same time. Like, uh, but when we're doing this, it's like, we still have to just quantify, like, what do we value in a player? And like, who would you rather have right now? And it's, it, it's just, it's hard to go down a list of guys who you, uh, and even just for this year. And if you take out the next five years out of it, just as good as he is right now, he is better than like a lot of guys. So like, I think it's splitting hairs. Uh, and I, I mean, if, if he were suddenly in a context where he would, you know, be on a team that would win, and I don't know what it would take, but you know, win 45, 50 games, then are we talking about him in the same stratosphere as, you know, Jason Tatum or, you know, Devin Booker? Maybe. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good place to start. Um, but it is, it is just so hard to, you know, I do think a lot of the defensive issues structurally that, that they have, it is kind of, it does kind of hinge on him um, because he is, I, my opinion that I, I think like if you're having a, a four that is like a weird defensive problem is probably the biggest structural issue you can have. Uh, you can't hide mm-hmm. guys like that because they're either guarding, uh, you know, a bigger wing who they can't keep up with, or they're guarding a big who they can't really do anything about. And he's kind of stuck in that zone, right? It's just like, who do you stick him on? You'd prefer to not have to hide him, but clearly he is not like the menacing weak side, rim, you know, rim protector that he was at Duke. Uh, you know, the game has sped up in the NBA. Uh, it's not just about him being in shape or not. It's also faster paced game. Uh, he is small for a power forward in terms of height. Uh, and he is relying a lot on being in the right place and then timing his, his leap. Right. Uh, and also factor in how much effort he has to put in on offense to just do what he does. So all those things considered, that's part of why for me, it was tough to rank him because it's just really hard to know how to quantify like insane offense versus, strange structural defensive problems. Yeah, that's those are all wonderful points. I think that, you know, our listener bringing up um, Harden is fascinating because I spent the majority of Harden's, like, true prime when he was with the Rockets being like, I don't really care about his defense. Like, I would like him not to be a total turnstile and literally just ole uh, his man to the basket. But everything that he did on offense, I just felt like was so great historically that it didn't it didn't really matter to me um and you can build around it and i know that harden and zion obviously played two different positions they have two different roles as you were outlining um for me it's just like yeah the the stuff offensively that we saw and what's really interesting is um trying to strip him out of context but contextually everything that he did production wise last year was in like the worst possible context which is why I'm just like, okay, if he had some shooting around him, if he was not playing with Steven Adams um, and Jackson Hayes, uh, what numbers is he this dude actually putting up? Because he's officially scoring in the restricted area and getting buckets at the rim like prime Shaq. Like straight up. That's what he was doing last year. And a lot of it was like on drives where – the. Everyone on the defense is just like, okay, there's Eric Bledsoe. I don't, I don't need to guard Eric Bledsoe. Um, there's Josh Hart. I'm not. I'm just not going to guard Josh Hart right now. I'm going to pack the paint with everything that we have to stop this guy. And you couldn't do it. <laughs> so um, I, I just think he's like, he's as unstoppable as anyone, really. Like you, you compare his numbers in the paint with with Giannis. Zion was better. Um, so. Pegging that forward, you know, they got a little bit more shooting around him this season. And I just think he'll look so much better. And I know that I'm, 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 I hope I'm, doesn't sound like I'm glossing over the defensive stuff. That does matter for sure. But as I kind of was just outlining with Trey, it's like when you get in a playoff series, if you have the right pieces around that player where, you know, he can hide on a Reggie Bullock and like not get destroyed. You're not you're not hurting yourself that much, maybe, um, and that's certainly a debatable point that I'm making. But or like right. put him on PJ Tucker, you know, like 
I don't know. So I'm I'm just very, very, very high on Zion. I'm really excited to see the season that he has. I hope he stays healthy. Um, I hope Devontae Graham is everything he needs and more. <laughs> I think that Pelicans <laughs> fans feel the same way. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just so terrific. So let me just spin it real um, back at you. Was there a player um, besides Zion who sort of um, you're looking at the list and you're kind of like maybe not that we like messed that up entirely, but just like we could regret this decision in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously this is always, this is a tough question because we're talking about the best players in the NBA. So it's like, sure. who is going to unexpectedly do something weird or what's going to happen? And like, I mean, I'll say like the one player I always have a really hard time with is Gobert. And I will also mm. preface this by saying, you know, I had him ranked, Chris had him at 14. I had him at 16. Like I, I had him higher than you and you and Roe. Uh, but also, did I feel good about that? Like, not at all, right? It's like I try to give him respect because of how good they've been for such a long time. But it just worries me that he's the type of player where it, I just feel like one injury or something like that, he could just like fall off a cliff uh, in terms of like what he does. Like, and I don't know if that's misguided. You know, he's not that old. Like, we, I think we always think he's older than he is just because he's been so good for so long. Uh, right. But but it's just like with with bigs who are that big and have had mostly clean bills of health. Uh, it's like it just always feels like a ticking time bomb. And I don't want jazz fans to be like, you're being unfair because I don't think I am. And I'm not criticizing you there, but <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not criticizing him either because this is not something that he can necessarily control. Like when he's healthy, he's good. But I do just worry that at some point and again, just watching him time again in the playoffs, getting played off the floor or being a huge vulnerability in some structural way, uh, it scares me. So, again, I, I definitely gave him respect the way I ranked. But at the same time, that was probably the one that I keep coming back to. Like, eh, I don't know how, how I really feel. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. So this particular debate, I did not include on the outline with you, Boo. I apologize. And it is just like the definition of burying the lead. But I feel like we can't go this entire podcast without like even mentioning the guys who finished in the top three. That would be pretty stupid of us oh yeah so true. we had we had as i said earlier we had katie number one we had Giannis number two and we had lebron number three so do you think that there's any um like any i don't know if con- controversy is not really the right word here um but just like how do you think that that why do you think that that is the right order for those three like megastars who you know, in a month we could 
flip that around. LeBron could be one. Giannis could be one, et cetera. Just how did how do you think that that shaked out in terms of us being as fair and as accurate as possible? Sure. Well, I will say LeBron at three was the only unanimous. Like we all ranked him three. I think that was it's true. Really, it was the only <laughs> unanimous thing that anyone came up with on this entire process, which probably tells you something. We were pretty. It's always tough because you know you never want to be too low on the best or second best player of all time, depending on, you know, sure. how you feel. Uh, you never want to be the guy who's too low too quickly on that guy. Uh, but I do think that, you know, we are starting to see, you know, the age factor in. It doesn't factor in too greatly because he is such a genius. Uh, he's such a good passer. Uh, he just has such an incredible all-time great basketball IQ that, like, the things that he is diminished or, you know, declining, the areas in which he is declining are, matched by how good he is at covering up for what I'm sure he knows he has lost in terms of physically whatever. And he can he still, sees, yeah, he, he sees into the future, honestly, like when yeah. he plays basketball, like the, the, we talk about like guys who can make the game slow down. He plays in slow motion. And I don't mean that physically. I just mean like mentally mm-hmm. everything's going so slow for him and he's just a genius. So as he declines physically, he'll still be great for years to come because oh, of for sure. Brain. Yeah, yeah. It's like a first baseman who's going to hit 30 home runs, 40 home runs until they're, you know, about to retire just because of how, how good they are, right? It's like that's like an analog. Like that's they talk about like old player skills in baseball, like guys who have those long tail Hall of Fame careers. That's like basically this version of this. But, but it's unusual because he's a wing who is a playmaker and he's just, he breaks the mold in every way. But I just think I will, I do think that when you do see it, it's like it's just harder for him to like flip that switch now if it's like a one on one situation. Uh, if it's the end of the game and he has to go beat someone to make a play, like I think it's just it, it is getting harder for him to to suddenly do that, uh, and that's so why. I think, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, like I'm I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, how far do you think he could fall realistically from like from this year's list to? next year's list and when i say that like i'm looking at some of the guys who are right behind him and you know steph is the first guy right behind him but that's not kind of the player i'm i'm wanting to talk about because of age but more so like luka mm-hmm. and jokic coming in at five and six um even a ad at nine like ad could pass lebron this year and we'd see it every single night because they're teammates mm-hmm. um just how far do you think um, LeBron could even fall on a list like this when we're kind of putting it together next year, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would probably be hard for me to see him if he's totally healthy, uh, falling out of my top 10 anytime soon. It just doesn't feel like yeah, that's where we are too. in his career. Like you kind of know sometimes when guys are like entering a different phase of their career uh, and he's been in this phase for a while, it doesn't seem like he's leaving. Right. I mean, we know he's dedicated to staying in shape and, you know, he's doing the right stuff, so it's like we can't just assume he's going to stop being effective. Um, but I can see Luca. I don't know what it would take because his production is already so like insane in terms of uh, what he's doing, right? Like I don't know, you know, if Luca becomes more efficient as a scorer, I could see him, you know, making a leap up there. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to quantify how good these guys are because they're all so good. Uh, and it, it comes down to kind of a matter of taste at some point. Like it's probably not going to be Steph who leaps him just because Steph is probably in a similar career phase where, you know, obviously a little bit younger, right. but, you know, kind of, you know, the last back-end prime. You know, I don't know. Would, we, would you say LeBron is still in his prime, or do you think it's, like, the next chapter after that? I don't know. He's He's got tears to his prime, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, his prime started in, like, what, 2008, 2007, 2008, and then uh, he was unstoppable in those last years in Cleveland, and then what he did in Miami when surrounded by more talented players and just athletically, he went up a level as well. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see that again from anyone ever um, on both ends of the floor. And then just you kind of think about what he did in 2018 as like the only dude on a team that was just absolutely wretched, but could dominate one of the greatest teams ever put together in Golden State and game one of the finals that year. So like right now when I look at him, I mean, he's a year removed from a finals MVP, right? Not even mm-hmm. technically a calendar year removed from it. Uh, his team got obviously banged up last year. He got banged up last year. 
during a super weird season. I don't think he's that far off from the guy who just won finals MVP physically. So, yeah, I would say he's still in some kind of shade of his prime, which is oh, just for sure. wild to even consider. Um, right. Let's let's uh, close on just, and this might be a very quick um, conversation. I think it will be, frankly. But Giannis Antetokounmpo... Uh, has one of the all-time postseason runs, wins finals MVP, has 50 points in the closing game of the NBA Finals. Um, On his way to that, defeats the Brooklyn Nets that had Kevin Durant um, just bawling out of his mind on it. Um, We had KD number one, we had Giannis number two. For me, it was like, when I first sat down to do this list, the first name I wrote down was KD number one. That was just like an absolute no-brainer for me. Uh, was it an absolute no-brainer? For, I know you had KD one, you had Giannis two. Was it an as much of an absolute no-brainer for you, or did you kind of want to consider just Giannis's, you know, obviously his ascendance as uh, this immediate first ballot Hall of Famer last year and everything they did in the finals and just how iconic, how iconic all of that was. Oh no! It absolutely was not uh, easy. I, actually, I, I had Giannis one first, and then I switched. Oh, okay. To KD, like I, I, I thought it through. Um, I just think KD right now is just like the most singular thing in basketball, where it's just like everyone knows that if he is doing the things that he's capable of doing at the highest level, then you're not going to stop it. You know, Giannis, you can try different stuff, and the Bucks ultimately got the right pieces around him to where the things that he doesn't do well didn't really matter as much. Uh, obviously, right. you know, the playoffs, it's always hard to know how much to really quantify the playoffs as we do these rankings, because there's so much luck and weird circumstances that go into it. Uh, different matchups, you expose different things. Um, you know, we want to value success to some extent, but then there are always guys who get like a playoff bump and then we regret it a year later. Like, I don't know, like Jay Crowder made our list this year. Can we guarantee he's on it next year? No, but he had a good run with Phoenix. Right. So like, that also applies to stars. Um, and I think, you know, if you kind of take, I think you, you might've made this point too on our call, I think, right. If, if you take out the, you know, the, the aspect of who won the finals or, and who won that series, it kind of makes it a more clear headed discussion between us two guys. Right. And I wrote the, the KD blurb, which, uh, was it actually took me a lot longer than a time than I thought it would. Um, I, I thought about filing, uh, just duh, to our editors and <laughs> seeing how they would react to that. Uh, but I didn't. And one of the things I included in it was that Giannis himself multiple times during that series said that KD was uh, the best player on the planet. So if Giannis, who's like trying to guard him and going up against him and trying to stop him, um, if Giannis thinks that, and I think Giannis is a very earnest, honest athlete, um, I don't think he was just saying that to say it. I think he honestly believes it. So I'm not going to argue with Giannis when it comes to this. And that's kind of what didn't push me over the edge, but it just kind of put was the cherry on top for me factoring KD as number one. Um, cool. Well, I think we covered everything. Is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, any other slights that you want to uh, address uh, mm. on the list? Uh, anything at all? What do I think? Um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty good about where we landed. Like, this is a random thing to end on, but like, I do think that may- the one thing I thought was maybe we were of the three second year guys of Lamelo, Edwards, and Halliburton. We might have had those three like too far apart. Like, I would have had those three like Agreed. we had what Lamella was 51 Edwards was 77 and Halliburton was 97 I had those guys like much yeah. closer on my list I actually had Halliburton one spot ahead of Edwards so um that's just me that is an entirely random point that we're we're closing on but uh <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> it's one that I 100% agree with and we actually briefly mentioned it in our last episode um Rohan and I when we were kind of talking about Edwards and LaMelo and why LaMelo was why was LaMelo that much higher than Halliburton like 40 plus spots when that's just not that's just not accurate um but it, again it's just like it's the complicated nature of putting a list like this together um great so I guess we'll close there 
Um, uh, thank you again to all of our listeners. Uh, please keep sending all of your emails into openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Thank you to you, uh, Jeremy Wu, for, for hopping on today and um, discussing our list and breaking it down and, again, captaining us through this arduous process that we all lost countless hours of sleep over. Um, Right, so th- thanks again to the listeners um, also. Um, and everybody enjoy, uh, everybody stay safe, and everybody uh, continue to enjoy the offseason. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.